Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And, of course, they have Junior Bergen T-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. Change is constant, and nowhere is this more true than with your company's network and network security. With an SD-WAN solution from Blackfoot Communications, you get the best of both worlds. A scalable network to quickly connect remote offices and the protection from downtime that ensures your network is always on. For more information, visit blackfootbusiness.com or call 866-541-5000. Blackfoot, connect to more. And Coulter Nuanez. Welcome back to Tell Nuanez, 1029 ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. Great to be with you. If you missed anything in hour number one, you can listen on the podcast. The Tell Nuanez podcast is available wherever you get your podcasts. Rate, review, subscribe. Check out Tell Nuanez, the podcast available thanks to Blackfoot Communications. Also, go to the World Wide Web and check out Grizz Greats. GrizzGreats.com made it very easy for you. It's got its own website URL. How about that? GrizzGreats.com. You go there and uh, listen to the silver anniversary of the 1995 National Champions podcast series. You want to call 361-3688 is the phone number. You can call or text 361-3688. All guests join us via the Rankish Brothers RV phone line. What we want right now is what was the most impactful injury to you in the NFL yesterday, and there was a rash of them, not just injuries, but significant injuries to all pro, Pro Bowl caliber players. Very, very bad day that way in the league yesterday. Which one is most impactful to you? 361-3688, you go ahead and text us uh, that, and we will uh, we'll talk about it. You also uh, can listen live anytime you'd like at 1029ESPN.com. The stream available there on the Listen Live tab. It's available thanks to Opportunity Bank. 
Opportunity Bank of Montana, your local bank, your opportunity. Colter, we got a lot to get to here. We want to recap the Seahawks game again, ESPN Radio, your home for Seattle Seahawks football all season long. And uh, a great, I mean, what a, I thought it was just an enthralling game on Sunday night uh, at uh, CenturyLink Field and a 35-30 win for the Seahawks in, in just a, a, a wonderful football game to me in terms of interest and, and excitement and big plays and intrigue and all of that. Uh, but... Uh, again, I mean, the, 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 the big storyline from the weekend is just the number of players and big-name players that went down. Uh, just quickly, and you went, you know, we're not going to go through every team and every guy, but you're talking about Saquon, Bosa, George Kittle, Derwin James. This is not just yesterday. This is over the course of the season, but Vaughn Miller, Michael Thomas, Julio Jones, Devontae Adams, Geno Atkins, Tyron Smith, Daniel Hunter, like all of these guys getting hurt, Jimmy G, Mostert, Nick Bosa, Solomon Thomas, Debo Samuel, Rich Sherman, and Tevin Coleman, and George Kittle, all just 49ers that went down. I mean, San Francisco, absolutely the worst of of, of it, you know, in terms of the who and the number uh, that they've dealt with. Nick Bosa's looked really bad. Mostert, they, they got to figure out what the sprain is. Everybody else, hopefully, on this is going to be back. They expect Jimmy G. In fact, Jimmy G may be back this very week. Uh, may not even miss, miss time. George Kittle, they expect back as well. But nonetheless, man, very, very tough day in the NFL. And to, to some extent, especially with San Francisco, who is absolutely a Super Bowl contending, front-running type of team, Word. this changes the landscape, doesn't it, of their season? I mean, no question. You can't lose all your best players. So here's, here's where we're at right now. This is just to put this in perspective. 23 guys who have been first or second team all pro within the last three years are out, whether that's indefinitely for a, a, a period of time on the, 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 what was the, what's the new phrase now? The, well, what's it's the injured reserve? It's the, it's still IR, but, but it's only three weeks. The abbreviated of, IR yeah, I think yeah. is what they're calling okay, it now. Yeah. Or out for the season. Michael Thomas hamstring didn't play this week. He should be back, but Hamstrings on receivers are always tenuous. That's going to be something that haunts him all year. He was number five on the NFL's top 100 players. Christian McCaffrey, number six. He's going to be out, four, sounds like, two to six weeks. Two to McCaffrey. six weeks, but I, that injury is more like four to six weeks. He could rehab hard, but that's going to be tough. George Kittle, when I saw that, I thought he tore it. They're saying it's a knee sprain. To me, it looked, they're saying four to six. That's a six to eight when you hyperextend it like that. To me, I'm no doctor. We've seen a lot of these. And David Chow, who is a doctor who diagnoses these injuries on Twitter, he says six to eight as well. Regardless, George Kittle, best tight end in football. He's out. Julio Jones, he played through a hamstring injury this last week, but he said that he's probably going to have to shut it down this upcoming week to be able to get back healthy. Von Miller, out before the year. Nick Bosa, out for the year now with this ACL. Richard Sherman, he's on IR, but he was a number 28 player on the top 100. Saquon Barkley, Horrible, man. The Saquon Barkley one made me want to puke because I love Saquon Barkley. It's mm-hmm. not just because he's from Penn State. I love the way he is, the way he carries himself, everything about him. He, he's just he's like the perfect modern-day athlete. He's so admirable, and he's so down the middle, and just he's such a good kid. To see it happen like that where it was just complete and utter bad luck, it was nauseating, man. Yeah. The good news is, like, when you see... Those sort of where the knee pop pop like it does, like where it hyperextends to the side, mm-hmm. and then you see a guy in incredibly s- severe pain. 
purely tearing your ACL is actually not that painful. People might say that's crazy to say. If you tear it via a hyperextension, that's incredibly painful, but you're feeling the pain in your meniscus, not in your ACL. If you tear your ACL just like hiking or something like that, you could tear it and it could be torn for a long time. There's people that aren't playing football that are walking around right now with partially torn ACLs that have no idea. They just think their knee is a little bit rickety. But the pain comes a lot of times from the tibia plateau fracture. So that's the force of the injury breaks the top of the bone that is that your ACL is attaching. There, it attaches multiple bones. You're fracturing one of, if not all of those bones. When you see a guy in excruciating pain like Saquon Barkley, that's telltale tibia plateau. The MRI revealed nothing but an ACL tear. <laughs> I'm not trying to downplay an ACL tear, but that's best case scenario for Saquon Barkley. If it's just the ligament, Get the surgery, six months, start rehabbing. He could be back by next year. It's the tibia plateau that just kills you because then all of a sudden, depending on what sort of surgery you have, you got dead tissue. Dead, it's it's all bad. It's, you sure it, you're not a doctor? It delays everything by six to eight months. Like a tibia plateau is not gonna not gonna heal for for eight months, and so that delays it so much. But Saquon, I hated that one. Yeah. Other market or other notable players, Chris Godwin. Daniil Hunter, Godwin's going to come back. Daniil Hunter's out for the year. Jimmy Grapple, you mentioned. Devontae Adams, hamstring, but he's gonna, he'll have to play through it. Yeah. Teron Smith for the Cowboys, all-pro left tackle, he's out. Frank Clark for the Chiefs, defensive end, he's out. Ronnie Stanley from the Ravens, he keeps rolling his ankle. That's not a season-ending one. Mike Pouncey, center for the Chargers, out. David my, DeCastro for the Steelers, My out. boy, Drew Locke, he's out two to six weeks, and I, I actually... To me, that's actually good news because when I first saw that, I thought it could have been, you know, I thought really, he snapped really his wrist. Yeah, I did. And then too. they diagnosed it as a, it's a shoulder. shoulder. So, but in any case, I mean, that's that's that was that was ugly for sure. And uh, you know, he's out; he'll be back. So. I mean, Leighton Vanderesh, he rung his bell on that Sunday night football the, game. The question here is just simply this: How much of this do you think is a result of having no preseason? I think a lot of it, man. Yeah, I think that first of all, just just count them up. You got Le'Veon Bell, Devontae Adams, Julio Jones, Kenny Galladay, Michael Thomas. What do all those guys have in common? They're wide receivers. They're outside receivers that can run. But what do they all have in common? They all pulled their hamstring. That's straight up nothing other than lack of preparation for this. They just haven't. And I'm not saying those guys weren't in shape. You just can't have a real live football rep running a route unless you have a real live football DB in front of you. And they have not done that nearly Mm -hmm. to the point that you need to do it to be ready. So I think all of those across the board, I think, are yeah. because of what we've been going the, the through. Devontae Adams, too, was also, uh, you You can be a little bit more injured when you're up 25 and rolling over to the bottom dwellers <laughs> of the <laughs> NFC North, you know, so there's that. Okay, here's my question for you, Coulter, coming out of this weekend. We're at, we're at two games in. There are some good teams, I think, that haven't won a game yet. There are some marginal or, you know, even bad teams that haven't lost a game yet. What team to you is the best 0-2 team, and what team to you is the worst 0-2 team? When it comes to the best 0-2 team, I think it's a wide-open question. When it, when I talk about the worst 2-0 team, I think there's no question. Let me see. I got, I'm looking at the standings All real right. quick. I will tell here. you then. Well, uh, hold on. The best 0-2 teams. Don't say the Houston Texans. No, they're not on my list. Great. Um, although they oh, – I mean, look, man, how many teams are 0-2 right now? Like – Eight, ten teams. 
Okay, these are there's some bad teams on this list. Okay, there's eight teams. Eight teams that are zero and two. Houston is one of the better ones of the zero and two teams. They are actually, in fact, but one of the best. Atlanta, I think. Atlanta sucks. Well, of course they do. They're zero and two. But you're talking about the eight worst teams, or at least worst teams by record right now. They're better than the Cincinnati Bengals, who are once again. Very no. They and the Jets are the two worst teams in football. Period. But here's the thing, man. The arc of any football season, NFL or otherwise, is determined by what has happened and what will happen, and the optimism or lack thereof. The all the injuries the San Francisco 49ers incurred hurt them tangibly from a personnel standpoint. There's no question. It hurts them even more from a psychological standpoint, though, because when you lose your captain, one of the alpha dogs in the league, in George Kittle, it makes everybody else play with a certain level of caution that's not proper for the NFL. It, it robs you of your confidence. What is, what is San, how does San Francisco win games? They shove it right down your throat. When you don't have the dudes to lead the way in that charge, performance on the field aside, it's the psychology of it all, and it hurts you so much. Here's where I'm at with Atlanta. I'm not saying Atlanta's not one of the more talented 0-2 teams. I think Atlanta's the most screwed team in the NFL because Atlanta has literally zero faith in what they're doing. This is a trend of blowing leads that has lasted for multiple coaching staffs. They already (laughs) fired the dude who took them to a Super Bowl. Then Dan Quinn comes in, and he already fired his two coordinators. Excuse me, Quinn's the one actually took him to the Super Bowl. Dan Quinn did take him to the Super Bowl. But after, who was their coach before? Smith? Mike Smith? Yeah, Mike Smith. That's right. So they, he that's had him right. on the brink when they were talented, but then they this trend of losing games late. Mm-hmm. Quinn comes in, almost does it, and then the trend is accentuated to the maximum in the Super Bowl of blowing a, a lead late. And then since then, though, Kyle Shanahan leaves. And they have had no answers since then. Dan Quinn is the only coach in football history to fire his offensive and defensive coordinators in the same offseason and then start 0-2. Here's another stat for you. Teams that were up three scores or more in the fourth quarter were 440 and 0 <laughs> in the NFL until the Falcons blew that game yesterday. That is amazing. That is amazing. Uh, they're still one of the best 0 2 teams. Here's, they're one of the most talented. I just think that let they. Me ta- let me ask you something. If, if, the, if, the, if the Falcons play the Jets, who's winning, right? If the Falcons play. Okay, but we got to talk about this because the New York Jets right now, with. Whatever this creature that's their head coach is, roaming the sidelines, are the least NFL team in terms of preparation that I have seen. Yeah, I mean, in, in quite some time. They, they, they. Here's 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 how it goes in the NFL. If you go into a game trying to mitigate how bad you're going to get your butt beat, you are going to get destroyed. Yeah. Adam Gase was coaching that game like he was trying to lose by 10 so they had some sort of moral victory. You know what happens when you do that? You, you, get, lose, you, by lo- you lose by three touchdowns. Yeah. Uh, the other two teams that I think are still okay that are 0-2, again, none of these teams are good. They're 0-2 for a reason. Philadelphia is still on my list as a team that I would, would reserve some level of optimism, especially because of the division they're in, and Minnesota. Yep. Now, you're going to tell me otherwise if you I'm, want to. I'm not going to tell you otherwise but, because, but, because the Vikings the Vikings, the Vikings, got to take a hard look in the mirror right now. Yes. Because they're, I know Daniil Hunter being out is a, is a tough loss. And Anthony Barr is out for the season. Now. Anthony Barr out for the season, that's also a huge loss. Yeah. But personnel-wise, the Minnesota Vikings have better personnel 
when you talk about both offense and defense, I know Atlanta has yeah. talent on offense. Obviously, they have one of the better offensive units actually in the league. They're just horrible defensively. But in terms of having good players on both sides of the ball, the Vikings are absolutely the answer. They have way better players than anybody else that's 0-2. Mm-hmm. they got to take a hard look in the mirror, though. To me, two weeks into the year, the fact that Dalvin Cook has 25 carries is a fireable offense. That's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. It's not. There's no explanation for that. Yes. I I I couldn't I couldn't agree with you more. You have to give you have to give him seventeen carries a game. I mean, yeah. is that too asking too much? No, no, no. He's he, you you have to get him to twenty. Actually. I mean, you called me at halftime of the Colts Vikings game. And you said, bro, Jonathan Taylor's got twenty one touches at halftime, I, and Dalvin Cook's sitting over here with four touches. Yeah. And by the way, Jonathan Taylor, you know, got he didn't he didn't blow the doors off. I mean, he, he averaged like four yards a run. Didn't have any big, you know, whatever. Even behind a great offensive line, I realize this is his first game as an actual like starter in the NFL. But uh, you know, they knew what they were going to do. The Indianapolis Colts give them credit for that. They're going to hand that that football off. Uh, but I'm with you. Here's a good thing for you, and I, I, you don't want to hear this. So that's all right. Kirk Cousins will play some good football games at some point this season, and the Minnesota Vikings will win those football games. He can't be the guy that's going to take you anywhere. You're absolutely right. He's not even a good quarterback in the NFL. I agree with you. But he's not good so much because he's straight bad, but because he's utterly and totally inconsistent. And when he's at the bottom, which he is right now, I mean, it is just, it's unwatchable. He also is going to show up, and all of a sudden you go, well, why why isn't this happening all the time? You know, and he's going to have some big games because that's what he does. The point is, there's only one way for the Vikings to win consistently. That's to turn around and hand the football off to the best offensive player you got, and that's Dalvin Cook, okay? And, 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 and hope and pray on defense that you can stand up to it. That's the only way it's going to happen, and... As of right now, they are trying to put the ball in Kirk Cousins' hands, and that's what, that is why they are 0-2. It's not much solace to be the best 0-2 team, if that's in fact what they are, but it's better to be the New York Jets. Why has Ryan Fitzpatrick lasted for 12 seasons in the NFL? Because he went to Harvard. But more aptly, because he's the antithesis of a Harvard guy, he's one of the toughest SOBs in the league. He's not very athletic. He's certainly not big. He'll lower his shoulder and get you that extra yard on third down. He'll stand in the pocket and take the hit. He'll do all of that sort of thing. That galvanizes a team. The exact same narrative I just laid out for the Atlanta Falcons, how it doesn't matter what their personnel is. Every single blown loss, every single continuation of the trend, it builds the internal narrative to the point where you lose confidence in the organization as a whole. The locker room itself is a mess. Mm Mm-hmm. The Vikings are already there. They're getting there. They, they were there. They were there last year. They wanted to – be, I mean, there's a lot of factors that go into it. Some of them I'm not even comfortable enough talking about on the radio. But the fact that I get – here's the thing. Wide receivers are going to be divas, okay? They're going to be. <laughs> okay. I mean, a lot, more often than not, a wide receiver is going to be a diva. All right. Stephon Diggs is a little bit of a diva. He's also so freaking talented. He had a pretty good day yesterday as a diva in the league. So last year, though, (laughs) when there's this little pissing match between Adam Thielen and Kirk Cousins and Stephon Diggs to have the blind and inaccurate decision to take Kirk Cousins and Adam Thielen's side and send off Stephon Diggs for nothing is just egregious. Make it work. Or figure it out. 
Don't trade one of the best receivers in the league. Get rid of the most mediocre quarterback in the NFL, first and foremost. But that's here and over there. What I'm saying, what I'm getting at here is the Vikings, on paper, have the talent to be fine. I thought coming into this year before Daniel Hunter got hurt, they had a chance to be one of the four best teams in the NFC and maybe make a run at the NFC Championship game or even NFC Championship in itself. I don't think that anymore. I think that their ceiling is you know, nine or ten wins, maybe sneak into the back door of the wild card. And you're right, it's going to take Kirk Cousins. But here's the thing. they got to have a good performance from Kirk Cousins now. Yes, it is. This week. Yeah, because if he it. goes out and completes 32% of his passes and has a quarterback rating of nine like he did on Sunday – Mutiny. Mm-hmm. They're going to light it up. They can't do it. That You can't have a team that's defined by defense with a defensive head coach and just have a dude who's straight losing the game for you because no one else is going to want to play hard after that. Tutel Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio. Last thing before we get out. The best, excuse me, the worst team that is 2-0 is no question, hands down, the Chicago Bears. God bless you, Khalil Mack. You are as good as it gets. But this is not a very good team. They've beaten the Lions and the Giants. All due respect, that's why they're 2-0. and They're not good. They're not going to be good. All right. Quick break. On the other side, the Seahawks in an absolute thriller with the New England Patriots on Sunday Night Football last night. You listen to every Seahawks game all season long right here on ESPN Radio. I'm going to break down what we saw at CenturyLink and revise Coulter's opinion of the Seattle Seahawks right after this. It's beautiful out. The smoke's gone. Get outside. You want to get outside? You go to Kurtz Polaris, 2904 West Broadway in Missoula, Highway 83 in Sealy. Two great Western Montana locations for everything you could ever need. They got dirt bikes, Beta and Husqvarna. They got side-by-sides, the top of the line, Polaris vehicles. You can go fast, have performance with the Razor, get worked on with the Ranger, or you can throw your entire family and your entire extended family in a general and just bomb around the state of Montana till your heart's content. Everything you need, they got it at Kurtz Polaris, not to mention apparel, safety equipment, helmets, service, all of it is there at Kurtz Polaris, and shoot. While you're at it, I mean, what the heck, you might as well take it easy, too. You know, join me in the leisure world. Get yourself a Crest pontoon boat, okay? You got a pontoon boat, you're living a pretty good life. That's what I know for sure. Crest pontoon boat's as good as it gets. They got them at Kurtz as well. Online at KurtzPolaris.com. Whatever season, summer, fall, do it the way you want to do it with Kurtz Polaris. Change is constant, and nowhere is this more true than with your company's network and network security. With an SD-WAN solution from Blackfoot Communications, you get the best of both worlds. A scalable network to quickly connect remote offices and the protection from downtime that ensures your network is always on. For more information, visit blackfootbusiness.com or call 866-541-5000. Blackfoot. Connect to more. Back to Tell Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. Hi, everybody out there. Nice to be with you on the screens. Really working into my television stardom here. At Gus Tutel, <laughs> at 1029 ESPN, at Skyline Sports MT. Uh, 
Coulter, uh, the Seattle Seahawks, uh, they are here each and every week. Sunday, Monday, Thursday, does not matter. 102.9 ESPN Radio, your home for the Seattle Seahawks all season long. We're very happy to have that. Love having the two, two-and-a-half-hour pregame show, the postgame show here from Pete Carroll, from Russell Wilson. I think that's phenomenal. And obviously, Steve Rabel on the call, uh, one of the uh, a legendary uh, play-by-play voices in all of the NFL uh, with Seattle Seahawks. And so uh, it's fun to have them and uh, continue this partnership with the Seahawks. Every Friday, we do 12 for the 12s with Mike Dugar, who covers the Seahawks for The Athletic, and so a uh, non-franchise voice to uh, give us some honesty and perspective about the Seahawks. But coming into this weekend, now Greeny, not us, Greeny, Mike Greenberg on ESPN said after week one he thought the Seahawks were the best team in football. Uh, I was not prepared to say that. You certainly did not think that. After week two, I still am not sure that I'm prepared to say that. But what I will say is uh, Russell Wilson is the best quarterback that I've seen this season. And Did you watch the Chargers game? Chargers yes. Chiefs? Yes, I did not think that Justin Herbert was no, the best quarterback Patrick that Mahomes. I've seen. <laughs> uh, Yeah, I did watch the Chargers game. In fact, it's the only game I had. And so I watched the entire Chiefs-Chargers game, and there's no question that Russell Wilson – right now is better than what Patrick Mahomes is not saying he's a better quarterback I'm saying in two weeks he's the better of the two also uh I just couldn't be more impressed with how they do it I mean again the addition of Jamal Adams what he brings to that defense the juice that they have I thought I thought the DK Metcalf Stefan Gilmore battle was the best thing that I've seen in the NFL this season in terms of just the heads up competitiveness and the straight fight that went right into the sideline at one point in the game uh and and i thought that the seattle seahawks proved to me what it is that they are which is the best team in their division which is the best division in football it doesn't mean they're the best team in football but they are right now one of the front runners uh in the league and even the last play of the game who makes the play lj collier is he anything to write home about Mm, not yet but a first-round pick who very much underperformed in his rookie season. There's no question about that, and I'm not sitting here ready to anoint him, but sometimes a guy needs to make a play, and he made a play at a, in a moment that they absolutely had to have it flip Cam Newton up and over the top, and I thought what that offense showed in terms of what they're capable of against a very good New England Patriots defense was absolutely next level, and the game itself was also next level. I mean, I thought Seattle dominated the football game, and I look up, and the next thing I know, here come the Patriots marching down the field to win the thing. I mean, I I, I couldn't be more impressed with New England, too. I thought they were great, but this, to me, was about the Seattle Seahawks yesterday, and I give them a ton of credit, and, and they are what I thought they were, which is one of the best teams in the league. I'm trying to think of where to start here because I have a lot of of um, eating crow to do. I'll start by saying this. I still am not ready to anoint the Seahawks as the best team in the NFC, nor one of the best teams in the NFL. I think that they are right there. I do. I think that, I think to me right now, and and I'll have a different opinion when we do this show tomorrow, just because I need one more look at the Saints this year. I can't wait. Can't wait for Monday Night Football tonight. And no Michael Thomas, so it's, you know, significant loss to not have him on the field. The Coulter Nuanas power rankings for the NFL right now in no particular order, but here's the... Well, that's what a power ranking well, no, I'm, is. I'm just saying... But, okay, so let's talk... No, but just listen to me. Okay. There's definitive to me this year more than a lot of years that I can remember tears in the NFL. Right now, I hmm. think that there is 
three teams for sure that are in the top tier in the league. Kansas yeah. City, Baltimore, Green Bay. Seattle is the absolute number one team in my second tier, but I'm not quite ready to put them into that first tier only because I still think that their deficiencies on the offensive and defensive fronts, while they're masking them brilliantly right now, brilliantly, are are real, and those are things that are going to rear their head late, not early. When you have a weak offensive line and then one of those guys goes down, that's when you are really screwed. Like if you're, if you have, and they lost Dwayne Brown right, right off the exactly. bat. Exactly. And so it's, it's, when that matriculates, if you lose a guard and then next week you play the Rams, even if the Rams aren't better than you, you might lose that game because Aaron Donald's going to eat your lunch. So those issues I think are still real. But I'll start at the very top. We're going to get into DK Metcalf. We're going to get into letting Russ cook. We're going to get into this offensive explosion that the Seattle Seahawks have put forward. The number one, I'm not going to say I was wrong about this because I didn't actually say anything about this other than I was unaware. I was just straight up unaware how truly transcendent a talent Jamal Adams is. I knew he was, I knew he was, I knew he was really good. I, I knew he was one of the best safeties in the league, but that's different than what I'm saying. He's one of the most talented safeties the league has seen. He reminds me of Sean Taylor. He's he's unreal. He's unreal. He, he's unreal. And he's so good that he, Bobby Wagner has already been one of the better inside linebackers in the league, and he's the highest paid inside linebacker in the league for a reason. But now that he's got a running mate, now Bobby Wagner can diagnose it, and if he doesn't make the play, he's got somebody else to make the play. Bobby Wagner's played with two borderline Hall of Fame guys. For sure, Earl Thomas is a Hall of Famer, and I think that Cam Chancellor, eh, I don't know, but he definitely has... Uh, he has a reputation that's very good in the league at the very least. Mm-hmm. Jamal Adams is significantly better than those guys. Here's the thing, man. And it makes Bobby Wagner so much better. It makes their whole defense so much better. Richard Sherman's a great cornerback and was a great cornerback in his own right for a long time. He became an all-pro quarter cornerback because he's playing with Earl Thomas in the system that he's in. Yeah. Jamal Adams makes this the Legion of Boom 2.0. Like he his presence there allows every other dude to right. be the the best version of themselves. You're always telling sure, me the best sure. version. This is what they can be and this makes them elite. It makes elite. It, there's the low hanging fruit is to compare them to the Legion of Boom, but just in terms of what they do and what he brings to the table, it's actually largely completely different and so much better. What I mean is, they were playing right and left corner during the Legion of Boom days, and they were playing box and post safety. Earl Thomas is your center fielder. He's directing traffic. He's mm-hmm. doing everything. Champ Chancellor's the hammer. He's Running in the box. Yeah. Jamal Adams is playing both safety everything. spots. He's everything. playing both safety yes. spots. He can move up to the nickel. He can play off the edge. He can play in the box. He can play Sam linebacker. He's doing what guys do in college, but in the NFL, that's not supposed to be possible, and he does it. But also what I'm saying is, and he gets kicked out of the game last night, but Quandre Diggs is is a top 10 safety in the NFL. Yes. And so to have the two of them there when they are actually both out there, yep. it's it's they, they can do whatever they want. That's going to be the way they're going to have to win games. There's no question about it because Marquise Blair, though, is out towards mm-hmm. knee. He's their nickel. Yeah. That's huge because they were playing a 5-DB set almost always. So he's basically a starter. Not basically. He is a starter as a nickel. Mm-hmm. And Bruce Irvin towards ACL as well. So he's out too. So those are hits. But Jamal Adams, transcendent player, and I, I, that elevates my opinion of Seattle's defense a little bit. DK Metcalf rubbed me the wrong way 
all the way around, both from the cliche comparisons that you could conjure up from a guy who's a, you know, an underwear Olympic standout running great times, but not producing at the college level, posing for every picture with his shirt off, coming to the draft with his shirt off, saying quotes like, I mean, I saw a quote from a press conference the other week, DK, when did you know that people couldn't guard you? He said, when I was born. Like that kind of stuff, until you prove it to me, drives me nuts. I was completely and utterly wrong about DK Metcalf because I thought he was a David Boston type receiver, a weight room machine who's explosively fast, straightforward, but not a great route runner. Clunky was going to have a hard time showing true football speed in the NFL. Blatantly and utterly wrong about this. I didn't realize that he was this smooth, flossy basketball player like athlete. I texted you last night. He's not David Boston, man. He's poor man's Calvin Johnson. I didn't realize that was what it was like. I had to see him warming up to realize it, and that's on me. I just didn't analyze his movements well enough to have a take on him. He's unreal. But, and, and, and he's got those movements, but also he does have the thing that you need to be. I mean, you talk about divas in the NFL at a certain level, okay, if you're always out there with your shirt off, you know, okay, but also... I would be, you know, so there's the second. Well, I already am. He's the only guy who can make me put my shirt back on, though. I'm not standing there with him out there. But what I'm also saying is he went up against arguably, right, the best straight up pound for pound corner in the league. And Stephon Gilmore got some of his. But at the end of the day, it was DK Metcalf who won that. I mean, he he's the guy who went up, took it away, didn't even get tackled and waltzed into the end zone. You know, he's the one who's looking down at Stephon Gilmore, physically speaking. And and so he's got the movements, he's got all that, but he's also got the straight-up ball skills, football-playing ability to go heads up with, with the you know, the best or one of the best corners in the league and win enough to win. Now, part of that also is Russ, right? I mean, he puts it up there. I mean, who's throwing a better football down the field than Russell Wilson? No one. Not even your boy. And this gets me to my last thought on the Seattle Seahawks. I love Pete Carroll as a person. I think he's an awesome figurehead. I've enjoyed listening to him talk and his theories on football and life for the better part of 20 years. I loved Pete Carroll at USC. I loved Pete Carroll every iteration of his career. I love him as a man. I think he's awesome person to just have in the United States. I think he's great for our culture. I think he's he does, he does it for the right reason. It seems harder to have what is true, genuine, eternal optimism, and Pete Carroll has it. It is to be commended. I mean, the best thing you could say about Pete Carroll is he's the oldest coach in the league, and he seems like the, one of the youngest. <laughs> right. That's the best part about no it. No chance that he's older than Bill Belichick, right? right? I mean, not, no chance. Belichick's <laughs> over here in a state of misery. <laughs> Belichick can win 10 rings in a row, and he still is just grumpasaurus. Yeah. And Pete Carroll <laughs> is riding his bike. He's loving it. I love I love Pete Carroll. That said, I think what we've seen in the first two weeks is among the biggest referendums you could ever throw down on a Hall of Fame coach's otherwise sterling career. How did they just figure out this is what you should do? Yeah. They've had Russell Wilson for almost 10 years. I mean, let's start here. They Let had Marshawn Lynch. I, I got it. I got you know? it. I got it. I got it. Who's whizzing it like Russ? No one. When, no, when you no let one. him straight up get on fire and roll like he is right now, I mean, are you kidding me? Gus, he's on pace to throw 72 touchdown passes this year. One in every four completions against the New England Patriots was a touchdown. Five 
Five strikes in 21 completions. And he was 21 of 28. And by the way, the one interception, I mean, Greg Olson should be, you know, buying dinners and cars and taking Russ out. I don't care that Russ is the highest paid player on the team by far. Greg Olson should be paying him in just in, for in perpetuity for that interception pick six that's now on Russ's uh, stat line. Through two games, Russell Wilson is 52 for 63. That's 82.5%. Let's call it 83. He's averaging 10 yards per completion. He's throwing for 340 yards per game. That's with only having one completion over 50 yards. Nine touchdowns, one pick. So he's got 11 incompletions and nine touchdowns through two weeks. That's stupid. And this is where I'm going to... I just don't get it, though. I get they had Marshawn Lynch and all this stuff. You can still have Marshawn Lynch. I mean, Chris Carson is rushing, you know, I mean, I don't know, 15 times a game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, here's here's the thing, and this is where this is where I get into it with Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes is, and I've said I've said this for a full season now, the best thrower of the football I have ever seen. He 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 is, and he is, if you want to call it the next generation or the next evolution of quarterback or whatever. That's all well and good. He's also got, and continues to have maybe the best complement of weapons that there is to be had in the NFL, and that's not a referendum on him. Good for him for being in a great situation. But we saw what DK Metcalf is, and we've been sitting here talking about how great and wonderful DK is, and you are now on the side of believer about DK. That's great. But the point is is that Tyler Lockett was the number one wide receiver on your football team, and he's a good player. But he ain't Tyreek Hill, you know? And... They're running backs. Chris Carson's great. Maybe he's the hardest runner. This is what this is what uh, uh, Mike Dugar said to us on Friday. He might be the hardest running quarterback or running back in the NFL. Actually, maybe it was Collinsworth last night saying that. Just not the best, but the hardest runner. Maybe that's true. But he ain't he ain't Williams and now Clyde Edwards Hilaire in terms of his talent and skill and what he brings to you. He's not. No, I take Chris Carson over both those guys. No, really. I mean. Those guys are a product of who they play with but more this, than what you're this saying. This is the third part of this thing is that you and I both think the world of Pete Carroll. Love Pete Carroll. He ain't Andy Reid when it comes to his ability as an offensive mind, both in terms of, of, of play development and play calling. And so all of the things stack in favor of Pat Mahomes. And even though he is a savant in his absolute own right, what, what Russell Wilson is doing and he's in a great offense right now, to be sure. But their offensive line, it ain't, it ain't, it ain't even top half of the league, okay? And he's doing this. This is this is unbelievable. And it's one thing to do it against a bad, bad Atlanta team and a terrible Atlanta defense. It's another thing to do it against the Belichick father-son combo and and Stephon Gilmore. Okay, regardless of who's opted out, you know, I know Patrick Chung's not there. I know Hightower's not there. I get it. But you know what? It's still the New England Patriots, and it's still Bill Belichick, and they just shredded them. I mean, they, they did whatever they wanted all night. I'll just say it again in a different fashion. It's I get what you're saying, but it's not about the personnel as much as just the freedom. Russell Wilson's the offensive coordinator of the Seattle Seahawks right now, mm. as he should be, mm. as Aaron Rodgers was for a while, and then Mike McCarthy tried to take it back from him, and everything went to hell in Green Bay, just like Peyton Manning was in multiple different places, just like Tom Brady was. In the NFL, when you got a dude who's in his prime, that's what it's got to be. Yeah, so Russell Wilson's doing it right yeah, now. Yeah, I just can't believe they waited this long to do it. The Seahawks the best team in the NFC West. Yes. Well, I mean, yeah, the only other co- competitor for that 
throne has a gurney full of their best players. And again, the, you can't overstate, especially for San Francisco, the, the damage that yesterday did. I mean, it, yeah. it, it really is terrible and, and doesn't matter who you are. Like, you want the best to be at their best if you want to go toe-to-toe with them. But you had – I had – I've had Seattle as being the team that's going to win this division. San Francisco was no question the other team that could or should win this division. Now, I'm – I still haven't gotten to see Arizona do what they do, but – it is definitive now. The Seattle is the best team in the NFC West. And the NFC West, by the way, 7-1 and one on the season. The only loss being an interdivision game. Now, some of that is the NFC North has only played divisional games, so they are de facto 500, right, playing against each other. But... This is, a, this is the best division in football, and the Seahawks are the best team in that division. We're, we're the Seahawks affiliates, and we're going to talk from the Seahawks angle quite often. We're not going to lie, but, but we, we don't but, have any no, but tie just, to the just Seahawks. Just listen to me, though. My number, I just gave you all, I just aired all my dirty laundry. I ate all my crow. Mm-hmm. Those were all two through five of my takes out of last night's game. My number one take coming out of last night's game is that every single GM in the league that didn't want to give Cam Newton a chance should be on the hot seat, period. The (laughs) fact that we forgot that Cam Newton is one of the great athletes on planet Earth, I get that he's been hurt. He's Cam Newton. He's still got it. It's egregious. I can't believe that there's quarterbacks, there's teams that are playing with the dumpy quarterbacks that they're playing with right now, and Cam Newton gets to go to the Patriots. Who's, who's, Who's older? Russell Wilson or Cam Newton? Same age, right? Yeah, but te- technically, Cam Newton is younger than Russell Wilson. Yeah. It's the same surprise that you find out when you find out Bill Belichick's younger than Pete Carroll. Eh, like, well, that's not surprising. I would have said they're the exact same. I mean, they're both 30, right? It's not surprising on one hand, but yet Russell Wilson is here in the just absolute square middle of his prime. So is Cam Newton. Did you watch him last night? But this is what I'm saying. Everybody, because of all the hits and the injuries, and there's some reason to that. We're sitting here going, yeah, well, you know, is is he even going to be in the league again enough? Listen to the Ringer podcast, Cam Chronicles. There is so much that goes into this Cam Newton thing, most of which have to do with race, point of origin, and nothing to do with football talent. It's disgusting, and I'm so glad that Cam Newton got a chance because I love Cam Newton, and I found myself rooting for the Patriots last night for the first time in my life. The Little Sullivan Awards significant we're going to get into those for just a moment and also anthony davis just entered a new portion of his life as a professional athlete and it took one shot next for unquestionably committed coverage of montana montana state and big sky conference athletics from a homegrown local source you can count on skyline sports the grassroots news gathering organization is owned and operated by Coulter and brooks nuanas a pair of missoula natives and university of montana graduates for the best sports journalism in the state you can choose to buy local when you choose to buy skyline sports for eight dollars a month or ninety dollars a year you can get the best coverage available at skylinesportsmt.com skyline sports every day every season Welcome back as we roll through the remainder of a Monday. Tutel Nuanas, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, at Gus Tutel. Yours truly at 1029 ESPN at Skyline Sports MT. Coulter taking care of everything you need to know around the Big Sky Conference and 
kids who are going to be in the Big Sky Conference as well. ScoutSportsMT.com. Uh, Coulter, uh, by the way, if you missed anything in the show, you can check it out on the podcast, the Two Tell Nuanas podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts. Rate, review, subscribe. Two Tell Nuanas out there thanks to Blackfoot Communications and podcast forms and podcast form. Also, check out the Grizz Great Silver Anniversary of the 1995 National Champions Podcast Series. It is uh, out and coming out weekly for you. So uh, go to uh, grizzgrace.com to check that out. Coulter, do you want to do uh, Little Sullivan's first or Anthony Davis first right here? Got about two minutes for each. Oh, we'll just do Little Sullivan's real quick. Gresh Jones, who's a former wrestler from Sydney, who's now at Dickinson State. He was the male winner for the top amateur athlete in Montana. We actually got an interview with him tomorrow. He's student teaching, so he's not going to be able to join us live because then he's going to go coach wrestling at Dickinson State. But he also, uh, he's, he's going to come, uh, we're going to do an interview with him tomorrow, and we'll yep. have that for you later on the weekend. And then the female winner, well-deserved Catherine Rousseau, who uh, amazingly is probably the second greatest swimmer from Montana in the last 20 years. She just happened to be swimming at the exact same time as perhaps the greatest swimmer in the history of the state of Montana in Catherine Burkoff. Catherine Burkoff, a 16-time state champion in Missoula Hellgate. But Catherine Rousseau, no slouch herself. She set multiple state records at Butte High. She's just a grade younger than Burkoff. Mm-hmm. But Rousseau, she's heading to Ohio State. Wow. So she is a, an excellent swimmer. So she wins the uh, women's side of the award, the female award. The and key uh, here. Name your child Catherine. That's right, and they might become the great swimmer, the greatest swimmers in Montana history. But both of them, well deserved, and we'll uh, we'll touch base with each one of them before the month's over. Uh, last night, game two of the Western Conference Finals, and the Lakers were out to a lead early, double digit lead early, and the Nuggets just kept chipping away at it, chipping away at it. Took the shortest lead in the history of getting a lead back. I think it lasted about three seconds before. Lakers hit another three to retain the lead. But ultimately, Denver did claw their way all the way back, took a lead, 2.1 seconds left, up one. And the Los Angeles Lakers do what they've been doing for years in the NBA. They threw it to a seven-footer to shoot a three, down one, to uh, pull that off. And what did Anthony Davis do? He did something that he hasn't done ever before in his career at least like this, and that was deliver a playoff win in a huge moment taking the game-winning shot. I mean, like that, I've never seen this. And sometimes some guys have to cross a threshold to become what they, what everybody thinks that they are and to some extent what they are. And Anthony Davis is a first-team All-Pro player. He is now riding along with LeBron James, and yet you are in a moment where you got to do something to move your team forward in the playoffs to have a huge moment in a big, big game, and he had it. And he stood up there, and he took the purest-looking jump shot I've ever seen a 7-foot-10 person take. (laughs) Do you see what he yelled afterwards, too? What did he yell? Kobe! Is that what he said? As he was following through. He was yelling it before it even went through the net. It was spectacular, and it was a moment. And to me, to me, it was a threshold crossed for Anthony Davis that he needed to cross to start. Because here's the thing. He has been a great player in this league for five years or more. He has been an old pro. how, how How about this, dude? Anthony Davis has been in the league for nine years already. It's crazy. He just turned 27. But the thing is, is that he has he has never been to use your term, the alpha. 
And last night, he's never going to be the alpha when he's playing with LeBron James. No one is. But he took the shot that you had to take, and it was just like bottoms. And it it was a it was a career shifting type of shot where you go, okay, there's there's the first of those sorts of gold bricks in the wall. It's going to make me want to puke if the Lakers win the title and people say LeBron only got there because of Anthony Davis. But to win this series, they absolutely have to ride Anthony Davis because it's the biggest mismatch they have. Jokic can't guard him. Keep on feeding the beast. I mean, Jokic and everybody everybody else. else. All right. uh, It's finally starting to feel like winter around here. And if you need some nice winter gear, how about the fine folks at Sitka? They make awesome winter clothes. And they sell custom Bobcat Sitka gear at the MSU Bookstore. You can shop online anytime at msubookstore.org, or, of course, you can check out the MSU Bookstore live and in person there on the Montana State campus. They also have some graduation regalia back in order there at the MSU Bookstore. They have an awesome American Indian Council selection as well. Visit on campus anytime you need blue and gold, or visit online anytime, anywhere, msubookstore.org. MSU Bookstore. Your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day located there on the Montana State campus. 